Good morning and welcome to the Daisy Take. I am Daisy Elizabeth and I'll be your host for this podcast. If you're new here, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad that you joined me and I hope that you keep listening and to the ones that have been listening, thank you and I appreciate your support and I appreciate you so much. So today's story is a little heavy. So listener discretion is advised for this podcast. Um, There is talk of drug abuse, sexual abuse, and um, just overall sadness, I guess. So listener discretion is advised. Today we're going to take a trip to New York City. Actually, Philadelphia is where it starts. We're going to talk about the world's first supermodel. Gia Marie Karanji. So let's get into it. Information for today's podcast comes from thebody.com, wikipedia.org, all that's interesting.com, daziddigital.com. And there is a movie from HBO called Gia with Angelina Jolie. And there's quite a few YouTube videos. Now, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of YouTube videos, but there's there's enough to keep you occupied. So, Gia Marie Karanji was born on January 29th, 1960, in Philadelphia, to an Italian-American father, Joseph, who owned a restaurant called Hoagie City. Her mother, Kathleen Karanji, was a homemaker. Gia was always quoted as saying, when she was asked about the modeling business, and why she like got into modeling, she would say, I started working with very good people. I mean, all the time, very fast. I didn't build into a model. I just sort of became one. Now you have to understand about Gia. She was a Philly girl. She was raunchy. She carried a, a knife in her back pocket. Um, she was a Bowie kid in the seventies and eighties. She was just uh, one of a kind and she was a lesbian, but she didn't look uh, lesbianish. Like she was a very beautiful, very beautiful woman. She actually, you know, she would go to these nightclubs in just like a white men's button down t-shirt, button down dress shirt, no bra, jeans. I mean, she was just there's a woman that that worked with her and says to have been her lover, Sandy Linter. And I believe she is quoted as saying, but don't, don't quote me on this because I'm not sure because I didn't look this part up, but I have seen it in several videos. And she says that she looked like an Italian boy that she used to date. And Gia was just very, um, she was just like that. She was herself. And in those days for you to be a model and for you to be a lesbian, oh my God, that was totally unheard of. Like people were totally shocked. They couldn't believe it. And I think it's really sad um, that this young girl didn't get the love that she needed from her mother. She didn't get the love that she needed from her father. Um, It does talk that around the age of six that she was sexually abused. I guess she told her mother, Kathleen, 
that she was abused by a neighbor, but it might've been speculated that she was sexually abused by her father, but I don't think that's ever been proven. And I think that she just had a lot of issues. Gia has always been very, very close to my heart <clears throat> ever since I watched the movie, ever since I learned about her. I always said that George Michael was the brother of my soul. Um, Gia is the sister of my soul. I, I, every time I watch something about her or I look at photos of her, I see the sadness. It almost emanates off the page. I had a hard time putting this podcast together and I've been working on it for a couple of days. Now I had a hard time putting it together for the simple fact that I kept getting stuck on certain things. It was almost like she was saying to me, don't do this. Don't talk about my life. My life is done. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm finally at peace. Quit bringing up my past. Quit telling I'm a cautionary tale. That's exactly why I'm telling you the story. She is definitely a cautionary tale. Um, but you know, everybody loved with her and she worked with people. She worked with a lot of people. You know, she's quoted as saying, I was working with very good people. I mean, all the time, very fast. I didn't build into a model. I just sort of became one. And she had one interview with 2020. And I think that um, that was the only, only one she ever had. But if you watch her other interviews and the way she talks, she has her normal voice, her Philly voice, you know, she's just like talking and whatever. But if you watch her on this interview, her voice is different and she talks different and she doesn't have the same voice. She has a voice that's very pleasant to the ears because that's who you see her as. That's not who she really is. So if you ever get the chance, look on YouTube, look her up and you'll see that video and you'll see what I'm talking about. You know, the way my voice changed just now, that's what she would do. She would become this character and this character that she had was, you know, a supermodel, very tall, very standing, very beautiful, very elegant. You know, she was, she was playing a part because that's who she had to be at the time. I just find the whole story very fascinating. I love talking about her. I really do. Um, and it's almost like she didn't want me to do this. Um, like she was like, no, don't, don't, you know, don't talk about me because, um, because I've already, you know, done that. I've already been there. I've already, you know, done it. Um, so she's just very, um, you know, she's always been very close, close to my heart. There's almost, uh, almost like some kind of safeguarding that I'm doing and I'm protecting her because I don't feel like she should be, um, dumped on or criticized or anything else, you know? So in the one interview that she had, she's quoted as saying, when you're young, it's hard to make the difference between what is real 
and what is not real, especially when there's a lot of vultures around you. The reporter asked her if you got into the drug scene. You know, he asked her, you know, hey, did you ever get into the drug scene? Um, she said, yes, you can say that I have. Yes, you can say that I did. Um, and then he asked her, are you clean of it? And she's like, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Or else I wouldn't be here talking to you right now if I was. Now, that was a lie. And I believe that was a lie. I believe she was doing the drugs at the time she did the interview. Now, you know, that's what's called heroin chic. I don't know if she was. I can't say that she was. But that is my gut feeling on it, you know. Um, the reporter asked her if she thought about packing it in. And she said, yeah, she, she thought about it more than once. But then now she has a great lust for life. Um... And she said it was a wonderful feeling. And when you're watching this interview on YouTube, look up Gia Karanji on YouTube. You'll see the interview there. When you're watching her and you're looking this up and you're just listening to her, you know she's lying. She has to be lying. What, what got me too is she is one of the first famous females to die of AIDS. She died of AIDS. And that was from all the heroin that she used, the dirty needles, you know, things like that. Um, it's just, her life is very, very sad. Um, she was born January 29th, 1960, and she died November 18th. 1986 and she's considered to be by many the world's first supermodel now janice dickinson has come out and said no i'm the world's first supermodel but i don't believe that um nothing against janice you know she took beautiful pictures beautiful lady i just think that gia was um was one of the most you know was one of the first supermodels and this girl 18 years old from philly you know, walks into Wilhelmina's office while everybody is looking at pictures of, you know, all the blonde ladies and all the, all the tan skin and you have all the blondes. Here comes this girl with these dark eyes and this dark ravenous hair. And they're like, yeah, they see her face. It's going to make us millions. She appeared in advertising campaigns for Armani, Dior, Versace, Yves Saint Laurent. Um, she became addicted to heroin. She became addicted to heroin, and at the age of 26, she died of AIDS-related complications. And she was believed to have, have contaminated that, have gotten that from a contaminated needle. And she, like I said, she became one of the first famous women to die of the disease. And uh, her life was dramatized in a movie film called Gia. And it starred Angelina Jolie. Um, you know, her parents, she had a very unstable home, you know. Um, she was described as needy and manipulative. 
by relatives who spoiled her. Um, she told her they thought she was a spoiled, shy, a shy child and a mommy's girl who did not receive motherly attention. Now, I know what it's like to have a continuous relationship with your daughter. Because I try to give my youngest daughter all the love that she needs, all the support that she needs, and she pushes me away at times. I also understand the addiction abuse, not from my own personal abuse, because I've never been uh, addicted to drugs. I've never done drugs like that. I, I don't know. I don't know what goes through a person's head when they feel the need that they have to have that drug. They have to have it because it is the blood source that runs through them. I, I don't know what that's like. Um, there is a song out there and I'm trying to think of who sings it, the needle and the damage done. If you listen to that song, um, that's gonna tell you everything about heroin. And it's a very, very sad song. And I think the reason she did the drugs is because she was trying to, um, maybe she was just trying to mass some kind of pain and that's a way to take it away. Um, and I've heard that from people in my own family, um, that it kind of takes the pain away, but then it doesn't really take the pain away because the pain will always be there. Uh, okay. So in her adolescent years, Karanji found the attention she sought from other teenage girls. Uh, she would befriend them. She would send them flowers. And while attending Abraham Lincoln High School, she bonded with the, with the Bowie kids. And these were a group of obsessive David Bowie fans. Um, and they emulated Bowie's definitely weird glam style. So they, you know... They were ambiguous, gender play, outspoken, bisexuality. Um, one of Gia's friends later spoke of her tomboy persona, describing her as relaxed, open about her sexu sexuality, and reminiscent of the character Kay in the 1980 film Desert Hearts. I've never seen that film, never even heard of it. So, you know, I guess Karanji, Gia, she, you know, she hung out in Philly's gay clubs and bars. And she was kind of associated with the lesbian community. Um, now, she was discovered, apparently, from what I read, in a nightclub dancing. And there was a photographer there that wanted her to take some pictures and I'm not sure if she did. Um, but I know she did move to New York at 17 and she was signed with Wilhelmina models. It was 17 or 18. I'm not sure. And her first major shoot was published in October, 1978 with a fashion photographer, Chris von Wagenheim, Wagenheim. I can't say it. I, I do apologize. 
who had her pose nude behind a chain link fence with makeup artist Sandy Linter. And that's when Gia became totally obsessed with Linter. Um, from what I understand, you know, back then it was just easy. Even if you were a makeup artist, you know, you jump in front of any kind of camera, you know, they want to take pictures of you, you know, you're like, yeah, sure. You know, you'll do anything to be in front of the camera. That's how her and, and Sandy Linter meant, met. I believe they did have a romantic relationship. And I'm really not sure how far the relationship went. But Sandy has done a couple of interviews. And she has said that she loved Gia. That she was in love with her. I mean, how could anybody not love this girl? This girl is like, I'm in love with her. And there's no sexual undertone and there's no, you know, oh my God, I got to be with her. I love her. No, it's not that kind of love. But I am in love with this girl. This girl, she breaks my heart every time. I read about her. And like I said, I was trying to do this story and I'm trying to get all my information and I'm watching these YouTube videos and I haven't done this in a very long time since I went to college years ago and I wrote a paper on her. Um, and it just like, I would get stuck. My brain would go blank. And it's almost like she was saying to me, don't tell my story. Stop telling my story. When Cindy Crawford first came on the scene of modeling, this was after Gia had passed, I believe, they would call her baby Gia, and that's how they introduced her. And if you put photos of Cindy Crawford and Gia Karanji side by side, you will see what I am talking about. She looks just like her. But I think they warned Cindy Crawford and said, look, this is what happened to Gia. Don't let it happen to you. So she becomes infatuated with Linter and she starts to pursue her. She pursued her the way a man would pursue a woman, you know, buying her flowers, doing, you know, stuff like that, calling her on the phone. Um, and she just totally pursued her. And when she did that, you know, Sandy was kind of like, that was back in the seventies and eighties, you know, they used to give the models Coke to keep them up and then downers to make them sleep, you know, things like that. So I believe in the seventies and eighties, it was like a free for all, you know, and you were kind of infatuated and kind of like, you know, Oh, well this person's pursuing me and you would get happy about it. You know, times are probably still that way, but maybe not the way they were in the eighties, early, late seventies, early eighties. So, she was a favorite with fashion photographers, you know, including Von Wagenheim, French, Francesco Scavulo, Arthur Elgort, Richard Avedon, and Dennis Pyle. Uh, they were well integrated in the fashion world and most notably Scavulo is the one that featured Gia Carangi on many, many of the fashion magazines. 
He loved her face. He loved the way she looked. He loved the way she moved. Um, she kind of had this attitude of um, being a bad girl. And she was proud of it. And she didn't care what you thought of her because who she was who she was. And that's what I admire about her. She was who she was and she wasn't going to hide it. She was not going to turn around and say, um, oh, no, I can't do that because that wouldn't be right. You know, um, Scavulu recalled a fashion shoot when Karanji was in the Caribbean. You know, she was, she was crying. She couldn't find her drugs. I literally had to lay down with her on the bed until she fell asleep. During one of the final location shoots for American Vogue, Gia Karanji had red bumps in the crooks of her elbow where she had injected heroin. And it's said, despite airbrushing some of the photos, as published in the November 1980 issued, the marks were still visible. Now, after Wilhelmina passed away, she signed with Ford models, but she was dropped within weeks. By then, her career was in a steep decline, and the modeling offer ceased. You can't be dependable. You can't... Like, say you're going to go and be on this fashion shoot um, and then not show up or show up high. You know, models are a dime a dozen and they will use you up and they will spit you out. Um, in February 1980, she underwent a 21-day detox program, but her sobriety was short-lived. She was arrested in March of 1981 after she drove into a fence in a suburban neighborhood. After a chase with police, she was taken into custody where it was later determined she was under the influence of alcohol and cocaine. After her release, Gia Karanji briefly signed with the new agent agency legends and worked sporadically, mainly in Europe. So in late 1981, although she was still using drugs, Gia Karanji was determined to make a comeback and signed with elite models. Some clients refused to work with her. Others were willing to hire her because of her past status as a top model. Scavulo photographed her for an April 1982 cover of Cosmopolitan, and that was her last cover appearance. So what she was doing to herself finally became apparent in her pictures. I could see the change in her beauty and the emptiness in her eyes. Um, so she mainly worked with photographer Albert Watson and found work for modeling for department stores and catalogs. And I believe she only did one runway fashion show. But I think that was early on in her career. So, um, you know, during her last photo shoot in late 1982, she became uncomfortable and left before any unusable shots of her were taken. And she enrolled in an outpatient methadone program. By the end of 1982, she had only a few clients who were willing to hire her. Gia Karanji's final photo shoot was for a German mail order clothing company. 
and she was sent home during the shoot for using heroin. So she left home, she left New York for the final time in early 1983. And I know that there's a lot of things I'm missing in this story. There's a lot of stuff I'm missing on Gia Karanji. So if you want for more information on her, just look her up um, and you will see what I'm talking about. She, was one of the most beautiful women out there. It's hard for me to put into words my feeling, the feelings that I have for her, but I feel very protective of her. All she ever wanted was love, to be loved and to be accepted. So she spent most of her modeling earnings on drugs and spent the final three years of her life with various lovers, friends, family members in Philadelphia and Atlantic City. She was admitted to an intense treatment program in Eagle Vale Hospital in December 1984. After treatment, she got a job in a clothing store, which she eventually quit. And later she found employment as a checkout clerk, then worked in the cafeteria of a nursing home. By late 1985, she'd become using drugs again and was engaging in sex work in Atlantic City. Yeah, believe it or not. I heard that she did, um, that she was sent to the hospital a couple of times because she literally had got beaten up um, for trading sex for heroin. Um, you know, it's it's just so sad. It's just it's really a cautionary, a, a cautionary tale. Uh, she was diagnosed with pneumonia. A few days later, she was diagnosed with AIDS related complex. In the fall of 1986, Karanji was hospitalized again after being found on the street, badly beaten and raped. On October 18th, she was admitted to Heinemann university hospital in Center City, Philadelphia. And she died on November 18th, 1986 at the age of 26, becoming one of the first famous women to die of the disease. Now, her funeral was held November 23rd at a small funeral home in Philadelphia. Okay, no one, and I mean no one, from the fashion world attended. All these people that made millions off of her didn't go. No one from the fashion world attended. However, Francesco Scavula, Caranci's friend, that was Gia's friend and her photographer, and confidant sent a mass card when he heard the news. I'm sorry, that's really messed up. You take a young girl like that, you make her into this famous model. She already has problems to begin with. She gets on heroin. She gets out of the modeling world. She is doing all this crazy stuff. She dies of AIDS and nobody. The fashion world is very unforgiving. 
if you are not beautiful, if you are not young, if you are not whatever, they, they pick you up and scoop you out because you are no longer any use to them. And that's really sad. It is very sad. So I just want to leave you with one thing before I, I end this story. And, and I really do encourage you to look her up because she's very, uh, she's just so beautiful. I just, it's a beautiful and a tragic story. This is what she wrote in one of her journals. Life and death, energy and peace. If I stopped today, it was still worth it. Even the terrible mistakes that I have made and would have unmade if I could. The pains that have burdened me and scarred my soul. It was worth it. For having been allowed to walk where I've walked, which was to hell on earth, heaven on earth, back again, into, under, far in between, through it and above. I think that pretty much sums up her life. So <clears throat> that's the story for today. That's Gia Marie Karanji. I want to wish you all a happy Friday. Thank you for listening. And thank you for all the love and support. I appreciate all of you. And here at the Daisy Take, we love Fridays. Have a great weekend. See you on Monday for Murdered and Missing Monday. Bye.